Welcome to One Shot Church, where our goal is to create a place for you to believe and belong. We're so grateful that you tuned in to check out this message, and we'd love to meet you in person at one of our upcoming services at 10 a.m. Feel free to check out OneShotChurch.com for more info or to follow us on any of your social media platforms at OneShotChurch. Here's this week's message. Enjoy. We've been in the middle of a series uh, and this series is called Heavy Love, right? Heavy Love. And the concept is this, to, to understand that literally if you grew up in church or around church, you maybe have heard this phrase, God is love. And I think we brush past that so quickly. And a lot of people will talk about different things or different people they love. I always heard this like, oh, I love pizza. I love basketball. I love dogs. I don't know how you love dogs. I don't like dogs, but you, you love dogs. And then some people will say, I love my wife or my husband if you're married, or I love my kids. But there's so many different variations of what love might be seen as. But the question is this, really, what is love when you boil down to the bottom of what, that, uh, of what it actually looks like? And then also, if God is love, what does God require of me? What is he asking of me? And then what is the limit that love is actually going to stretch to? So today we're going to build on this a little bit more. Um, and just this concept of, of, of really understanding that and unpacking that a little bit more. What is God's love? What does it look like? And what does it require of you? So that video you showed, what, anybody know what movie that was that we, we showed that clip from? The Little Rascals, The Little Rascals. And, and the thing is this, I've never seen the entire Little Rascals movie. I haven't, so forgive me. So I showed that clip, but I've never seen the whole movie. I want you to know this. I was, uh, I was dating a young lady when I, I was finishing undergrad, and right after I finished undergrad, we were dating, right? And then um, uh, she broke up with me, so that, that happens, right? So I've, I've been broken up with a few times, all right? But I'm going to share this one in particular with you, right? Because I, I would do this thing where I would write these letters like, all right, I'm about to get her back. I'm about to break down this letter. We're going to sit down at this Panera. I think this, yeah, we were at a Panera. So I don't like Panera either because the food is expensive. And I get, never mind. All right, but so we were sitting down at this Panera. And then she gave me a letter back. And in that letter, she told me, and maybe I, I blocked out some of it, but she told me, do you know what? You're like alfalfa. And then another guy came, and he's just better. So this and that happened. And that's all I heard is she compared me to alfalfa, and, and it just made me think about this young man. So she's happily married now, and God bless her, all right? Indeed bless her. That's fine. We've resolved that. But she called me alfalfa. And I was like, have you ever felt that feeling Alfalfa felt when he was on the side of that stage? Watching the thing that you desire, the person you desire, the circumstance, the situation you desire, watching it be pulled out of your grasp and someone else taking hold of it. Or I think it's very easy to think about that in the sense of a relationship, right? Where it's like, hold on a second, what's that brother got that you married and are happy with? What does that brother got that I don't got? Or you, 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 you might be a young lady in here, and then you're like, hold on a second, you think she looks better than me? Is it her hair? Is it her perfume? Is it this? Why is it that you think that you could not be happy with me? 
So what happens when we're in the midst of that situation where we are literally watching what it is that we hope for, what it is that we desire for, what it is that our dreams have been placed upon, we are watching it be pulled from our grasp and enter into someone else's grasp. I think that's not the space that we navigate enough. A lot of times we talk about how to be happy when you finally have reached the mountaintop or when you finally have achieved what it is that you long for. But what happens in between when you either you, ha you, you had that thing and you lost it or you have never attained it to begin with? I think that is the position where so many of us are in, but so many of us never navigate or never unpack and never talk about. So today that's where we're going to park. We're all going to put ourselves in the shoes of alfalfa for a little bit and think about what is it like when what we desire the most seems to be the farthest away from us actually attaining it. There's one verse that we want to uh, wrap our heads around today. It's found in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. It's a short verse, but there's a lot that we can grab from it. It says this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. A dream fulfilled is a tree of life. So the main question I want to ask you guys is this today. Are you heart sick? Have you ever thought about what it means to be heart sick? The, the, the human body is an amazing thing. You know why? Because It'll actually start to speak to you when you're getting a sickness, right? So have you ever thought about what a fever actually is? I was trying to Google some stuff about it, but it's saying this, that your body will raise the temperature because there's something inside of you that does not belong there, and it's trying to eradicate or get rid of that thing. But your body's speaking to you like, hold on a second, I'm feeling a little hot, I'm feeling a little weak. What's going on? But your body is speaking and saying, hey, man, something's not right. Have you thought about why swelling occurs in the body? When you twist your ankle or, or you sprain a, a wrist or something, swelling occurs because your body is trying to say, no, something's not right here. I need to protect you from this thing. I need you to be aware. When, when you're working out, sometimes they say, man, you should listen to your body. Something aches, something's like, hold on, oh, hold on, wait a minute. I don't listen. I don't. But then I tore my Achilles and things changed and it was like, hold on, listen, buddy, because it's like, no, I, I'm out of balance. Certain things are aching and my body is trying to communicate to me, right? The question is this, though, what does your body say when your heart is sick? There's not, there's not ailments that will be expressed on the outside, but how can you be aware that your heart is sick? That something on the inside of you is broken, that it's out of place. So today I wanted us to do a little self-diagnosis, all right? It's very easy sometimes to point at other people and say, well, look at you, you're broken, you're this, you're that, you're that. But I want us all to take that finger today and point it at ourselves. And let's ask some questions. And these questions are going to unpack, are you actually heart sick? As this verse says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Are you heart sick? And if you are, what can we do about it? And I believe this, that, that if you're not currently in that position, then you're making your way closer to it. Life is just a cycle. And sometimes, in one way or another, sad to tell you, you will end up in this position of being heart sick. But I believe God is providing an answer for us to push through what that looks like. So as we move forward, let's see this next one here. This is the cycles of grief. And this is kind of, you know, a lot of, a lot of any, any psychology majors out there? I was expecting to see at least one. 
especially the way someone on this front row be telling me about myself. But we won't talk about her. Um, but you see this? So there, there, there's these five stages that go through the cycle of grief. And, and this is, I mean, in, in one form or another, if, you, if you've experienced a breakup, if, if you've experienced a death that was unexpected or a death that was expected, if you've experienced loss of, oh, we, we're just going to get personal today, loss of a job. Well, I didn't really experience this. I was more so happy, happy. It was a lot of things that I wanted to leave that job. So never mind, that doesn't apply. But maybe you loved your job and you lost it. You, you will experience something here about, uh, about these stages of grief. From denial to anger to bargaining, that was one where it says this, you begin to say, well, well, what if I had done this? Maybe if I had sent that text message, that person would not have done something to harm themselves. Maybe if I had told them I loved them one more time, uh, they would not have died. Maybe if I, if, I, if I had just been around longer, they wouldn't have gotten sick. Maybe you, you, you begin to bargain and try to explain or, or, or rationalize what's going on, right? And then depression and acceptance. But uh, I wanted us to unpack some stages here of what it means to be heart sick. And I believe they correlate a little bit to this cycle of grief. But I just want you to know, in life, grief comes. We have two choices, either avoid it or believe that God will allow us to walk through it. We have two choices. I, I, I think the issue is a lot of times, especially in church, I grew up in church, my, our pastor's wife, that the, the church we had before, she would always say, I knew you before you were born, right? So she, I literally grew up in church my whole life, and I believe there's a number of things I have learned from church that cause me and my family, not just church, uh, we're, not gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna spread the blame evenly, right? So, and my family that make me avoid grief at all costs because it's uncomfortable. Who wants to sit in feeling bad when I can crack jokes? So if I'm cracking jokes with you and you're trying to be serious with me, it's a defense mechanism kicking in maybe. So just tell me about myself, right? But we'll see, right? But th there's so much that happens that may bring grief. And I believe God is fully, fully conscious of it. And he wants us to walk through it, not avoid it. So as we move forward here, I'm going to, I started preaching wearing a hat, knowing I sweat. So now my head's going to be shiny. I don't, I don't know. Forgive me, guys. Forgive me. The symptoms of heart sickness. Let's just talk about this, too. Have you guys been getting scared about all this coronavirus stuff going on? Uh, just wash your hands, right? Let's wash it. Pray over your food. I don't pray over food before I eat it. That's another problem. Just pray over your food, wash your hands. I don't know. But uh, when, when you catch a virus, there's some symptoms associated with it. When, 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 you, when you break a limb, there's some symptoms associated with it. They assign you certain things you should do to treat what you're experiencing. So I wanted us to ask these questions about the symptoms so that we can diagnose either ourselves or ourselves later or, or maybe a past situation. Are we experiencing heart sickness from a loss, from, from some tragedy, from a relationship that's broken? And let's see what we're actually going through. This first one here is denial. And the question I said is, are there sensitive areas you refuse to talk to anyone about in your life? I, I was talking about growing up in church and, 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 and being African, being Nigerian, or just being in my family. I think denial is huge because I, I can go and just ignore symptoms completely about my brokenness. One of my roommates, and he would always laugh at me because uh, freshman year in college, we, we, we were living together, right? And if I got sick, 
I would be like, don't tell me I'm sick. I'm healed. That's what we learned at church. It's like, we are never sick. We are washed in the blood. You are redeemed. I'm sniffling. I got snot running all the way down. I'm plugging my nose with tissue. I'm not sick. Don't you call me sick. And, and I understand what they're getting at, right, which is like, yes, you are healed. But in order for you to be healed, you must first acknowledge that there's something that needs to be healed, right? Not be in denial so much that it's like, no, ain't nothing going on. I'm good out here. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Meanwhile, you're just limping along. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're dragging your whole limb. Meanwhile, everyone sees it, but you are denying the fact that something is broken. I believe, uh, and I've heard it said in this little rhyme, it's like God heals what you reveal, not what you hide. Not what you hide. And I have to tell myself that because my, my propensity is to push away, not allow people in. And these two verses in John 8, uh, and you could look at them later if you would like or not, but John 8, verse 12, it says this, that the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. A lot of times we're in bondage because we're denying the fact that something is actually broken about our lives. Something, something is out of whack. Something's out of place. But to know that that does not make you a horrible person, it just makes you aware that God wants to step into your situation. He wants to step right into it. In John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and they're asking him all of these questions, and he begins to speak to them. And he says this as well. He says that you speak the language of your father, which is the devil, and that's lies. So to know this, there is a war that will go on in every one of our minds between the truth and lies. And it's not like the devil coming like with the tail and red and horns and all of this, but it's just a thought. It's just a thought. And that thought is saying, man, this situation you're in, you know you're never going to get out of that. You know you can't tell anyone about that. You know how broken and hurt you feel right now is never going to get better. And because of that, what you going to go to church for? Those people don't care about you. Don't nobody want to talk to you. And all these thoughts, and they begin to spiral and spiral and spiral and spiral. But it says it's the truth will set you free. Are you in bondage because you're denying the fact that you need healing? God wants us to confront our heart sickness today and see this. That's the first one. Are there sensitive areas? And as we move forward as well, the second one, and just one point, too, to raise this is this. Sometimes there are literally things, if someone were to bring it up, I'm like, nah, we ain't going to talk about it. I'm a masterful deflector. I've gotten better. It'd be like, so, what about this? I was like, so, what about this? Right? It's like, you know what I'm saying? You start talking to me about myself, it's like, hold on, wait a second, boom. And it's like, I'm slick with it, too, because I'll crack a little joke, and then just, and then before you know it, it's like, hold on, he ain't tell me nothing about himself. We had small group one day, and some of the young ladies in this church were telling me, you know, you don't say nothing about yourself. We don't know you. And I was like, really? I said, you're around me all the time. But I mean, but I realized, like, no, 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 they have a point, man. I, I, I can do this very easily because it's a default, and I need to switch that. Are there areas that I'm like, no, nah, don't touch that. <laughs> no, don't touch that. Me and my fiance, we had some <laughs> conversations. There were certain areas uh, she's going to hear this, but whatever, right? But it's like, so, no, I shouldn't say whatever. That would probably get me in trouble later. Too. Whatever, all right, no. But there was a certain area, and it was one, I don't know if any ladies can relate to this. If I were to talk about hair, it's like, don't you touch that. We're not talking about hair today. So it's like, oh, my bad. I didn't know there's certain areas of things from before she may have even met me. It's like, we're not talking about that. But maybe it's because that sensitivity is there to indicate, hey, there's something to be unpacked. 
There's something under the surface. The second one was this, this ungratefulness. How much of your time do you spend complaining? Heart sickness leads to a skewed perspective, and that skewed perspective will cause you to realize there's nothing to be thankful for. It'll cause you to say every situation is, is horrible, it's ridiculous, there's, there's nothing that ever goes right, I'm, I'm struggling to understand what I could actually see that is good. And, and, and I believe this, that God is pushing us to realize there is a different perspective. A lot of times people ask, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says this, the will of God is for you always to be thankful. That's a high, that's a high task to ask. It says, God, you want me to be thankful, but did you just see her dump me, God? God, you want me to be thankful, but the thing I desire the most, did you just see that other person get that promotion? God, you want me to be thankful? Did you see what happened? But he's saying the will of God is to push you to always be thankful. I stumbled across Psalms 136 too, and it was like, there's sometimes I'll be reading the Bible, I'm like, man, they start barring things. It was like, it was filled with bars, and all of the bars were this. It was praising God, and it was saying, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. And repeatedly, throughout every verse in that chapter, it reminds you, God's love endures forever. It says, blessed be our God of gods. His love endures forever. Every time, his love endures. So regardless, hey, God, I just got dumped. Your love endures forever. God, I just lost the job that I wanted. To. Your love still endures forever. God, the person that I needed the most in my life just died. What is it like to say your love endures forever in spite, in spite, in the face of this circumstance telling me otherwise? Heart sickness will cause you to lose sight of God's love and say this situation is going to endure forever and it's going to be horrible forever. God is saying something opposite. My love endures forever. Sorry, Lorena, I'm, my bad. Right. <laughs> Ungratefulness, the third one. And I want you to ask yourself these questions first before we fix anyone else. Let's ask ourselves these questions, right? I said it's, it's uh, the third one, if we can go. I, I believe I said it's highly contagious. So I just want you to think about your circle, the people around you. There was a season in my life where uh, I was probably between getting dumped or I was just dumped. This was my alfalfa season, right? And then I, I realized this. In my alfalfa season, a lot of my friends were getting dumped too. And we would all hover around NBA 2K and we would play these, these epic 2K days. We would just sit in my parents' basement and I realized this, the only thing my friend would talk about is, man, I can't believe she would do that, bro. Man, how would she actually leave me, bro? How would she, bro, I'm trying to tell you this happened, bro. And every, every sentence, I was like, hold on. And then at one point, I just snapped out of it. It's like, did you realize this is the only thing we talk about? How hurt we are. How these women out here dogging us, bro. Do you know what's happening to me? And my circle began to shrink to only consist of my problem. I believe this, when you're heart sick, you begin to attract other sick people. And that sickness spreads all the way around. God is trying to question you right now. What do the people around you talk about most? 
because you need an outlet of hope. I found one friend. He had just broken up or been dumped too, but he, he offered me hope because he said this, man, you can talk to me about your situation and I'll allow you to see that this is not what's going to define you completely. There is something beyond where you currently are. You can't get stuck, but sometimes that's all we want. You get dumped and you just wanna, sh well, I sit in the dark in my house. It's not because I'm depressed, hopefully. Maybe if I am, you could tell me. But I just don't like natural light. Just close, yeah, and then somebody gotta close the blinds, and then it gets dark, people looking in your house, ain't nobody close the blinds. Like, close the blinds, let me alone, you know what I'm saying? But regardless of that, do you enjoy the darkness just because it's like, no, I don't wanna wake up. I'm making fun of it, but it's not funny. Have you ever felt that, where it's like, yo, I'm in this bed, and if I do not leave this bed, period, I'm fine. There's some people who getting up is a struggle. And, and someone has explained this to me. When I, when, when I wake up, they're like, it is, it is a task to summon the energy. My body is awake, but I'm not moving from this bed because I don't want to. There's nothing beyond this bed that I want to get to. And I believe this, that if you surround yourself with people who are stuck in that, nobody's going to get out of the bed. Someone has to be beyond that. Be aware that heart sickness attracts other people who are sick. Be conscious of your circle and know God wants to push you beyond that. He wants to push you beyond that. He wants to keep us moving forward. He doesn't want us just playing 2K for the whole day and talking about bruh, 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 bruh. But like, no, beyond that, that's where he's pushing us. Okay, the, the, we got two more to go, two more to go. Isolation. These are all connected, right? If you have ever experienced what it's like to actually be heart sick, it causes you to keep everyone at at least the arm's distance. Working in church in any capacity, you see this a lot where it's like, hey, how you been? Where you been? It's like, oh, you know, I'm just going through a lot right now. So we won't see you for three to four months. And maybe when you're not going, and it's like, oh, but you know what that is? It causes you naturally to feel like no one understands and I don't want to be around people. And I feel like that is an okay thing to say. I don't want to be around anybody. But that's not an okay place to stay. It's the truth. Don't deny it. But I believe in you revealing that truth, God will show you the beauty of saying, man, there are people who will help to encourage you. That's the point of church, that we might encourage one another to be more aware of our Savior to push us further towards realizing his love for us, not to be so isolated that we draw back from everything. In Genesis chapter 2, everyone has heard this too, and we, we use it a lot when it comes to marriage. God is talking to Adam. He created him. He told him, hey, there's things to do. There's animals here. Figure all this stuff out. But then he told Adam, it is not good for you to be alone. And then he did create Eve, but I want you to know this is not just about marriage. God is saying it's not good for you to be alone because when you're alone, that war you're fighting with your thoughts, it becomes all the more elevated, multiplied. It's just your voice by yourself. God is saying it's not good to be alone because I will send other voices who will speak for me and they will add something. So it's not just you and your brain circling by yourself. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. God is saying, no, there's hope. There's hope. But that hope is found by you being connected to the people that I desire for you to be connected to. A, a point of this church, a purpose of this church is this, that you might belong somewhere. Belonging is an issue. A lot of times we feel like no one understands me. 
I can't be myself at my job. My family's crazy. I just got dumped. Where do you go to belong? God is trying to paint a picture for us to see there is belonging he desires to give to you. It's not good for man to be alone. And lastly, not lastly as in I'm almost done, but I'm kind of done, but lastly as far as the points about the symptoms of heart sickness, it's this short-sightedness. Are you unable to see past where you currently are? Sometimes heartbreak is so bad that you do not think it will ever change. Have you ever woken up for a sequence of days, however long that might be, and you wake up and it's like, no, that thing didn't just happen. Did it happen? It's like, dang, it did happen. And then once you realize it happened, then for the whole day you're just thinking about, man, I could never do this again. In the context of a dating relationship, it's like, man, I may never talk to this person again for the rest of my life. Every, every happy experience we may have had, I'm never going to have that again. If someone passes away, it's like, no, they didn't die, did they? It's like, hold on, wait a second. And it's like, oh, no, they're gone. And then you get stuck short-sighted, meaning like, man, how I feel right now is how I'm going to feel forever. I believe God wants to push us to see faith is long vision. Faith is, is beyond where you currently are, and it causes you to see things that you cannot even fully touch or experience yet, but it pushes you past where you are. In Hebrews chapter 11, that's exactly what it begins to talk about as well. It says that God, he, he created what we see now from what was not seen before. God is not limited to your current circumstances. He operates on a higher plane, and he operates in a place that pushes you further beyond where you currently are. But when you're heart sick, you're so short-sighted that you don't even think tomorrow could ever change where you are. God is trying to push us further. As we move forward, I wanted you guys to see this. I found this picture. And I, and I think this is a question of how you actually view life. Because I think oftentimes we honestly believe that the plan should be just a straight line. Everything should go exactly how I want, when I want. That's it. Easy. Lord, if you love me, my life would be just like this. A straight line and I reach my destination. Maybe you're not a stick figure, but you know what I'm saying, right? But reality consists of so much more than this even, right? But, but, but I honestly believe that this is what causes a lot of people to be heart sick, is you're dealing with the, 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 the tension between the fact that God, if you loved me, life would be easy. But God is saying, I do love you. This is the life that you have. Now what? And the fact that we cannot let go of our plans causes us to have hope be deferred. It said that hope deferred makes the heart sick. A lot of us are heart sick because we can't let go of our own expectations. Expectations, is, it's a dangerous concept. Because if our expectations are not defined by God, our expectations will never actually leave us fulfilled. It will always leave us disappointed. So what happens when you were expecting things to go straight in this line 
and then you fall into a pit. And there's sharks. Is that a shark? I think that. Right? When you're in, when when you're expecting sunny days, and then storm clouds emerge for a good month straight, and it's like God, what is going on? And I believe in that tension. Again, there's two choices. Either we approach our heart sickness and ask God to meet us at that place, or we avoid it. And we just keep rolling, thinking things will get better. But I want you to understand, man, God is trying to tell you this. In this picture, in the midst of your circumstances, trials, everything going on, God is with you, period. Is God's plan for you to continue to pray until the reality, which is full of valleys and drops and dips and storms, is his his plan for you to pray until you get a straight line? I think sometimes that's how we preach things, or that's what we expect Christianity to be. If you're not praying enough, that's why your life has all these issues. God is not saying that. He's saying in the midst of your issues, my love endures forever. The goal is not for you to level out problems. It's to learn who's with you in the midst of the problems. Switching perspective. Switching perspective. So I wanted to give quickly as as we close some, some, some thoughts on writing a prescription for, for what it is. If, if, if you define, man, I'm heart sick or I've been heart sick, here are some thoughts for, for how we can treat that, how we can treat the symptoms we're experiencing. If we can go on here. So if you think about this in Psalms 42, and I'm going to brush through some verses and we'll park on some, but it says this. It says, day and night I have only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. Some of us are so stuck on how it used to be that that is what's causing the most, all, most of our heart sickness. Being attached to how things used to be. Being attached to the fact that, man, I can't stop crying, God. I can't stop feeling this brokenness. This brokenness is what's filling me up. Like there's no space for anything else. It says my tears have been my food. And I think this is the resounding question. Where is your God? Where is he? Because if God was with you, then blank would not have happened. And when that question rises, where is God? I believe that's exactly where he wants to meet you and answer. That's where he wants to meet you. Let's go forward. In Psalms 34, this is, this is God providing an answer. This is God providing an answer to your lowest moments, providing an answer to that broken relationship, to that death of a loved one, to any trouble you could be going through. It says, God, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to the brokenhearted. He rescued those whose spirits are crushed. And this is not just saying like, oh, I'm crushed. Things have hurt me, God. I've been hurt. It's saying this. It's talking about a brokenness that is admitting the need for God. It's admitting the need that say, God, I don't have all the answers. I need you. God, I'm sorry for trying to figure things out myself. So therefore, my spirit is crushed. I'm low. And in that place, God meets you. God meets you there. He's not far away. He's drawing close. He's drawing close. We can go forward. 
I wanted to present these thoughts. That in the midst of, of your heart sickness, when you're asking this question, where is God? God, how could this happen? God, all I desired was this. The main point is this. God is, God is, God is, God is. Sometimes it causes us to forget that God is alive, that God is with me, that God exists. But I think the overarching thought is God is, God is, he is, he is. And, and it's this, that God is present, twofold, meaning he's with you. He's with you. He's present. He's, he's, he's with you in the midst of that up and down circumstances, valleys, mountains, peaks, storms, trials, all of that. God is present. He's with you. And God is present, meaning he's with you in this very time. God is not of your past. God is not somewhere far out distant in the future. He's present at this very moment. He's with you. He's with you in this moment. God is speaking to you. God is restoring. He's bringing things back to life. And it says this, when the first verse, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I believe this, God is hope. God is hope. The issue that we face in, in, in so much of what's going on is there's, there's just hopelessness. And hopelessness goes round and round and round and it spreads. And there's so much heart sickness. There's so much heartbreak. There's so, much, so, so many gaps between what it is that we desire and what it is that we're dealing with. I was looking at some statistics. And in those statistics, it, it was talking about suicide. When, when, when you hear about it, too, it's a lot of times people who hold mics on Sundays. It was some young pastors, and one in, in particular, he was, he was running an organization to prevent suicide, and then he ended up falling victim to it himself, right? And it's very easy to sometimes detach yourself and be like, well, dang, that's crazy. What happened? But I believe this, in, in the seat of hopelessness, it causes you to see that there's no point for tomorrow. There's no point for tomorrow. These stats said this. It says in 2017, 14 out of every 100,000 Americans died by suicide. According to a new analysis released by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, those are where those stats come from. And then it says that's a 33% increase since 1999. In an excerpt I pulled from Time magazine. It's saying that these stats are, are, are trending upward. And, and it's not that the church is exempt from this. We exist in the middle of it. And, and what happens is this. When hopelessness is the loudest voice that you're hearing, why wouldn't you want to end? Why wouldn't you want to try and silence that voice? And I believe this. It's not, it's not a simple fix where, hey, I'm just going to preach this one message and you'll never have those thoughts again. I believe that God is trying to use a multiplicity of things such as therapy, to actually sit down and talk to people that God has given to us as a gift to say, hey, I'm heart sick right now. I need help. I need help. God is trying to use a community where there's different voices of people who can encourage you and tell you tomorrow is coming. But I do believe this. We need to speak and confront the fact that people are choosing to end themselves rather than continue to hope in the God that we believe in. 
What do we do in the midst of that contrast and that difficulty? I wanted to end with these last verses from Ezekiel chapter 37. It's a whole story where the prophet Ezekiel is given this vision by God. And and he begins to speak what God tells him to speak. And I believe today in particular, for anyone who is dealing with heart sickness, who is dealing with suicidal thoughts and depression and darkness and not feeling like tomorrow will ever come, this is what he says. It says, the Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered across the ground and were completely dried out. Then God asked Ezekiel, he said this, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? God is giving Ezekiel this vision. And in the midst of that vision, he's presented with a valley, and that valley is filled with dead, dry bones. And God asked him, what can we do about this circumstance? I believe God is trying to speak to each one of us here today as well. Whatever your broken area is, that relationship, that untimely death, that thing you were not expecting, he's looking at that situation and all you see is dead, dry bones. But God has something he wants to say. He has something he wants to say. It says this, then he said to me, talking to Ezekiel, he said, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. He says, look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. Make you live again. God is a restorer and a reviver. There's no situation too dead for God to revive it. But I want us to understand the perspective. God reviving your situation doesn't mean that he gives you what you want. It means that he makes you aware of who he is. That's the goal, awareness of God. As we continue, he says that God is just showing him this whole picture. He's saying, speak this message. He's saying, speak this message. And if we go down, so in verse 11, this is what he said. He says, he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. And I think that's exactly where so many of us are stuck. All hope is gone. My dream is finished. I can never see myself beyond where I am. But I believe in closing, this is the thought God wants to say. There's a a little kid on uh, Instagram. People post this meme of him, and he's like, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Have you ever seen that? No one has seen that. I should have pulled it. I'll have to send it out in the notes. But he just keeps saying to his mom, tomorrow. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. And and, and I believe that this is the one thought to leave you with. The gospel, the good news about God, is he's always telling you this, tomorrow brings hope. Tomorrow is to be looked forward to. Tomorrow brings something. And, and, And the fact is sometimes we think that something is in another person or that something is in a circumstance or a situation. God is trying to say that something is in a person But that person is Jesus himself. Tomorrow always causes us to look forward. The gospel is pushing you forward. It's pushing you forward. One last verse I believe I had in there in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. 
that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Growing up in a, in a, in a I don't know what you call that, Pentecostal, evangelical, I don't know. A lot of times you preach this, and it, and it applies, but it's like, leg, grow out. By his wounds, you are healed. Cancer, be dead. By his wounds, you are healed. Very applicable, but have you ever thought about this? The sickness inside of your heart because of your heartbreak. Jesus died just as much as he did to heal cancer, to open blind eyes, to heal broken bones. He died to heal broken hearts. Heart sickness has one remedy ultimately. It's in placing hope back into the gospel. In understanding that by Jesus being broken in your place, you can be put back together. So if you're experiencing symptoms that cause you to lose sight of tomorrow, don't deny them. Don't run from them. Don't feel like you're a horrible person. How could I ever think this? Realize this, that there's someone who took all of our brokenness and he's with open arms offering to heal you today. The one vision I want to paint and then I'm just going to pray. The vision is exactly where you're most broken. God doesn't run from it, he runs to it. I asked them to do that song, The Hiding Place, because this, where is the place we can go in the midst of our deepest hurt? It's directly to the presence of the one who, who loves us the most. So it's, it's, it's either already or not yet. You, you, you've already been in a, in a very broken place, or you've not yet encountered something that will try and break you. But in the midst of either one of those circumstances, the mountaintop, the valley, God is saying, my love, my arms, my grace is reaching towards you. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. A dream fulfilled is a tree of life. The last thought is this. God didn't promise you your dreams. He promised you himself. He's trying to adjust where we put our expectations. God is going to give you some things that you dream about. The Bible explains God will go above and beyond what you're expecting. But to know this, the greatest thing we could ever attain is God himself being with us. This is the gospel. Jesus came down from heaven to dwell. Emmanuel, God with us. That does not change when your heart's broken. That does not change when you get dumped or you have to dump somebody you don't want to. That doesn't change when someone dies unexpectedly. That doesn't change when you have suicidal thoughts that are telling you, end it right now. God with us. Where God is, life is, and that life pushes us to see tomorrow. Tomorrow. Because tomorrow we are promised to dwell with the one who loves us the most. Through belief in his son Jesus, we are promised to dwell with the one who loves us the most. If you guys wouldn't mind, let's just pray. And I'm going to ask you, if you need to close your eyes, you can. If you want to stare at me, you can, whatever. The goal is this. Ask yourself, am I experiencing heart sickness? Is there something inside of me that's broken?
And as we pray, I pray that God would push that brokenness. And like a magnet, he would attract that brokenness to himself. Because where God is, nothing can be broken. Where God is, no brokenness can be found. The closer you get to him, the closer you get to love. And that love will pull you back together. So in particular, if you're feeling like, man, you know what? At this very moment, I am extremely heart sick or I'm heart sick to any degree and I don't know how I can go towards tomorrow. Could I just see your hand so I can know I'm praying in particular for you? Is that anybody in here today? I see those hands, you can put them down. And as I begin to pray for that, I also want you to know this, that we can never share this enough. The gospel is, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Whether we told a lie, we cheated, we did something, we were born into sin, which separated us from wholeness. But Jesus came and died in the, on the cross, not because you're so great, not because you're so perfect, but because he loved you, he died to draw himself and you back together. As we receive that gospel, we become whole. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your loved ones that are gathered here this morning. I thank you that you see where our heart breaks. You see where our heart aches. You see the things that have caused us to be down in that valley. God, I would pray that you would help if it's the season, God, to take your people out of that valley. But God, if they're in that valley even longer, reassure them of this one fact, God. Your presence is with them in the valley, on the mountain, any place in between. And God, I pray that your comfort would surround those who are broken, God. Your wholeness would reach out to those who are broken, God. Just as you said, you died. And by your wounds, we are healed. So I pray for your healing power right now, especially for those who raise their hands, God, that this would be a week of healing, that that healing would come through the community around them, that you would place people even supernaturally in their lives who would speak and remind them of your healing. That that healing would come when they open your word. That healing would come just in the, in the, in the quiet moments when they're sitting by themselves. Heal your sons and daughters by your heavy, amazing, matchless, and never-ending love. We thank you for your healing. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, hey to the man. Thank you guys so much.